It's the Benz Brunani woman is Baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this so sit down, sit down, receive this realness Make sure your cup's ready for the tea we are go sipping yo Hard time scrolling for your long shorts You might learn something you never know Could let you find, and she's one of a kind Don't say you mind, say you mind Up in the place in the place to be my space up in my place in your face to be my hands slap you up for trying to think yeah whoa man not having it yeah (laughs) that's my song for this week i'm building on it i feel like my lyrical prowess is somewhat subdued at the moment or exhausted if you will because I'm writing the bars to my song the longer version of the intro music so get ready because summertime vibes soon come we hope it could just be trash like it could literally just be trash so welcome to my show Hi, it's me, Kalechi, Kalechi Okafor, also known as the Ben's Ponani Womanist, also known as Mrs. Slap Your Dad if he gets rude on Twitter. Sugar is who I'm referring to. But anyway, we'll get to that shortly. Um, yeah, so welcome to SYM, officially known as Say Your Mind, unofficially known as What What. That's right, suck your mum. Oh, it's been a busy week. I feel like I'm just so incredibly busy, 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 busy in my head, just busy all around the place. It's been um, a whirlwind of a week. Um, So I hosted the Black Girls Poll event last week, Saturday. That was wonderful. That was the first Black Girls Poll showcase that we'd had, that we, um, first international Black Girls poll show a showcase that's happened and it happened in London and I was the host and there were some incredible pole dancers, black pole dancers who performed on the night. And it's just nice to to have a platform to allow for black pole dancers to shine. It, it was truly, truly wonderful. And I liked being the host. Um yeah, it was, it was, it was really, really nice. Really nice. So big up Delijah Franklin for coming up with Black Girls Poll and for it spreading the way that it has and growing in the way that it has. Um, Then what else did I do? Then I went to special guest X The Receipts podcast. Big up Tolly T and Audrey and Milena because that, it was so good. It was so good. So special guest um, is an event. Um, I think it happens monthly, I want to say. It might not be monthly. It might be, it might be, um, every two weeks, but I think it's monthly. So the audience are the special guests and everyone can get on the stage for 60 seconds and talk about whatever they want to talk about. And I didn't think I would want to get on stage and you're like, oh, shock horror. But I genuinely didn't think I'd want to get on stage. And I did. And it was really, really nice. It, there's something cathartic about just standing in front of people that you don't know and just talking about something random for 60 seconds. Um, so I, I'd really, really like to do that. I'd really like to do that again, go with more friends. But it was so wonderful finally meeting um, Tolly and Audrey for the first time. I felt like I've already known them. So it just, it just felt like I was just seeing my friends because, you know, I listen to the Receipts podcast. I love it. So 
I just felt like I was meet, meeting my friends. So it's, it's, it was just wonderful. Um, and, you know, so those are the good things. Oh, bad things, bad things. Well, I was sent a screenshot of someone that, you know, I mentioned about this person that from school that I had to like block and just get out, you know, get them away from me. Um, a person from high school that, you know, the more your trajectory starts to kind of bring more great things for you, suddenly they're like, I don't know if it's jealousy or insecurity, but just their, their, their acidity becomes so much more apparent towards the things that you're doing. Um, so yeah, got blocked. And then um, they left an anonymous YouTube comment under one of my videos after um, the one before the miscarriage. And they said, oh, um, isn't it a shame? Whatever they wrote under that, uh, um, basically alluding to, haha, you had a miscarriage. Weird people, very, very weird people, a weird person. Um, they were someone sent me a screenshot of them tweeting that oh they can't wait for everyone to realize that I'm fake and I and I'm this and I'm that and I'm just like why are you why are people investing their time waiting for the downfall of other people go and live your life go and live your life because the time that you're spending waiting for me to trip up you're going to end up stumbling over a cliff focus on your life. And I think that that's a message for generally for everybody out there. Even if you genuinely feel like people have done you wrong, holding onto it and like avidly watching their life, waiting for something bad to happen to them, you're only generating more negative energy for yourself. Ultimately, when we look at it, you're only focusing on people and wishing them bad if you notice that their life is going well. But you have to understand that all of our blessings are shaped like us. Your blessings, like God has like his cookie cutter and he cuts out your blessings to suit you, shapes like you. So it fits you perfectly. You watching what I'm doing and the blessings in my life aren't, they're not suited to you. If you're like a triangle and I'm a square, my blessings won't be suited to you. So just face your fucking front is what I really want to say to a lot of people. But that's, that's by the by. I just think that if you genuinely feel like you love and you want to support people, support them with your actions and your words, not just one or the other. You have to support them with all of you. Um, and I wish more people would do that um, because a lot of people think that they're supporting and then they'll do things that just look like they want the worst for you. So I just feel like we all need to just do better, basically. But whatever, whatever. I... Are you considering the fact that we're getting closer and closer to this podcast ending? Because I am. I'm thinking about it and I'm just like, wow. Like we are fully about to enter July, right? We're fully about to enter July. That is the seventh month of the year, of 12 months in the year. And then the podcast done. Wow. So it is my sole purpose, my sole mission to make sure that the next few months that we have, I just, I just bring the flames, I just bring the fire, from a soul, from a body. So we end, you know, it ends well. Some people don't like being reminded that the podcast is ending, but I think it's really good to do that. It's the way that your therapist is just like, yeah, just reminding you that this session is 50 minutes is just so you don't get ahead of yourself. Um, yes. So anyway, moving on. I hope you're all having um, a great start to your week whenever you might be listening to this and that things are going for you as they should. And if they're not, you know what? People are pussyclarts. Keep doing you. Keep doing you and keep striving for what's best for you. 
So let's move into the tarot then. I think I've covered the other bits. Let's move into the tarot. So from the Black Angel cards, I pulled the Enquirer this week. So just grabbing it for you. The Enquirer looks like a woman with locks, really nice round face wearing green triangle earrings. The Enquirer. So let's see what the book has to say about the Enquirer. It says here, you are open to new meaning in life, waking path discovery on the sleeping path closure. Inquirer breaks open the certainty and creates space for that which has not been thought of, imagined or questioned. Inquirer brings forth truth about without answering, but rather by asking over and over. What is it? Explain it to me. What do you mean? What is it that you're really trying to say? Who are you? Who am I? Where? How? Why? As an inquirer, you see discovery as the way to walk through life. You believe that when one stops, when one stops asking questions, then there is some truth still left to unfold. Your inquiries are not just empty questions, but rather questions that tend to open people's minds to other ways of thinking. More questions and more discoveries. You challenge the status quo. Without questions, you lose interest in life and find it routine and boring. To you, there is no fact. Everything must be explored or examined. You keep things open-ended, making a space for people to grow and create right before your eyes. Your waking path becomes clear when you're willing to let go of old information about someone or something. You love new experiences. The inquirer reminds us that it is the questions, not the answers, from which wisdom emerges. Questioning is connected to wisdom. You, inquirer, are a seeker of wisdom. Whatever you unearth in your act of questioning could be what is needed for our clarity. Your inquiries are far from doubt or playing a game of challenge, but rather exist in the realm of mystery and exploration. At times, it may appear that the inquirer is questioning the authority of someone, but in fact, you're helping us to reach the truth of the matter. If your questions do not get you in trouble first, as a result of your questioning nature, even though you tend to ask some provocative questions, you can irritate others. As inquirer, you can be perceived as naive, and your ignorance, real or imagined, can cause tension between you and others. Folks must examine or explore their own feelings and thinking in order to be in a relationship with you. Most people do not like the challenge, so you may find yourself in debates or sword fighting with words. An air of defensiveness can arise. People can get caught up in the language you use. You say, what? I only asked the question. On the sleeping path, your questions can be loaded with feelings and emotions. The impact of your inquiries can cause some to say, I don't want to go there. Communication can be shut down at this point. Your soul begins a slow process of shutting down as well. You begin the sleeping path with this closure and your questions can turn to sarcasm or words that harm others. Being the inquirer that you are, try releasing the expectation that everyone will engage you. Not everyone wants to explore life. If you let go of controlling the dialogue and allow the questions to float, you'll have meaningful conversations as opposed to debate. Be cautious of hiding feelings of being unintelligent by your questioning. Watch to see if you're attempting to show that you are knowledgeable. The feeling of not being intelligent enough can stem from childhood memories of not feeling intelligent. As a child, your unique way of thinking or your unique cultural experience of life may have been ignored. 
On the other hand, your family's perception of your mental capacities may also have had a negative impact on you, on your being an inquirer. Questioning can also be a cover-up for expressing your truth. You may not have a question as much as you want to express your feelings or emotions. Be clear. Be honest with your inquiries. What is it that you are really asking? Or what is it that you want to say? Clarity will help the confusion you might feel and reduce antagonistic feelings around you. Recognize that as an inquirer, your soul is seeking the meaning in life. Learn to express your feelings more. Make sure your soul is speaking through the inquiries. And by all means, keep asking questions. I think that that's really, really wonderful. I relate to it in part. I definitely don't feel like this one is me, me, I, but I do relate to it in part. It's the idea that, um, I guess, in society, we're not encouraged to ask questions. And there are some people that will naturally always be inquisitive. I feel that like I'm that sort of person, like I'm naturally inquisitive. I don't just take what you tell me as that's it. Like I would question my mum all the time. I would question my grandma all the time. Like I'm not someone that just takes authority at faith value. Like I want to know why you are in that position and how we came about this structure in the first place to give you the position that you have. Like, I think it's important to question things lest we just wander and wander and wander and just think that things are the way they are. You know, like sometimes you'll say to someone, why do we do this thing? And why do we do these things this way? Oh, it's just the way things are. But things weren't always that way. It, they, it started. And why did it start? And why do we continue to do it if it's not serving us? Why? We can ask questions. I ask questions all the time about religion because it frustrates me that anyone of any denomination of any religion will just take it or any faith will just take it at face value and be like, this is it. I would be worried to serve a God that just didn't ever want me to ask questions. Like, why? And I, and this is what I say about the, the man-made parts of, well, religion in itself is man-made. Um, so through that, people have encouraged um, subservience to hierarchies and never questioning hierarchies. Why did that happen? Oh, it was, it's God's will. It's, it's how it's meant to be. Now, while I agree with certain aspects of that, is I feel like most times people use it as a way to not really interrogate their environment and to find out more meaning. Because I, I feel more confident having my beliefs, knowing that I've questioned the, all the aspects of my belief. It makes me stronger as a person. And I know that I stand firmly in what I believe rather than just believing in it blindly and deftly. Like, why would you, why would you do that to yourself? Anyway, the Rider Waite deck, the card that came up first that shot out like vroom was the justice card. So the justice card is the 11th card of the um, tarot um, of the major arcanas. So if you are new to this and you haven't ex heard me explain before, the major arcanas um, talk about the, the overarching energies of your life. So we've got the minor arcanas, which is like the carped swords, um, wands, you know, that, that sort of thing. So we've got those, uh, and pentacles, but when we're talking about major arcanas, um, they deal with the major things like the major energies over your life and the minor arcanas, those suits talk about the more day-to-day -day things, you know, the more day-to-day -day energies and the things that we should be aware of. And I, every single card that came out today 
for this um for this podcast for this episode were all major arcanas so the justice card came out the high priestess came out and at the bottom of the deck we've got the hermit cards that we're going to discuss in the extended content um for the um, my patrons on patreon but justice card is a libra card because you see the scales you see the figure sitting on the throne with a crown on their head and a sword in their hand and um, the scales in their other hand. And obviously Libras are known to be the scales. So this card flew out. And like I said, it's number 11, which is so powerful that it's seen as one of the master numbers. So I'm going to also read you what the angel numbers say about the number 11 as well, because there's a massive theme today of intuition that you have to keep asking questions in order to strengthen your intuition. Now, when the justice card comes out, some of you might be going through some legal battles or this might be directed. You know, the inquirer that we're talking about today might really, really be um, talking, especially to a Libra person um, or someone that has Libra, you know, in their chart, whether it's their sun, their moon or their ascending sign. If that sounds like Higgy Hagger to you and mumbo jumbo, do not worry. Anyway, um, the justice card. So you've either got legal battles going on. You've either got, you know, things happening at the moment, arbitrations and, and um, tribunals and things, just things happening at the moment in your life that require some balance. And this is saying that it's all going to work out. That's what I like when I see the justice card. I feel like it's all going to work out and not, not necessarily work out and it be in your favor, but it's going to be directly correlating to the energies that you have put forward. I like the justice card because it doesn't play. Unlike Libras, it's not indecisive. The justice card is very, very clear. You get back in this life what you put out. And this is what I was saying earlier about people kind of waiting avidly for me and for others to fail. That energy that you're putting out, waiting for other people to fail, will only come back and be the result of your own failure. Not in a woo, hippie dippy way. No, it's going to come back because the energy you could have used better in your own life, you're putting that same energy, trying to hope and wishing for the destruction in somebody else's life. So you've wasted valuable time. You've wasted valuable energy. You've wasted valuable life doing all of that stuff. Go and put your energies elsewhere. Go and put it in things that will benefit you. And this is what the justice card is literally saying, that what you put out there, you are going to get back. So you have to look at all of these situations that you might be involved in, whether they are legal or whether they're not. Any interactions that you're having with people that you've got a back, back and forth of you or you've got a conflict going on or anything like that, just remember that the energies will always come back to you. So in this moment, at this very moment of listening to this, if you know that there's something that you need to cleanse the energy of, do it because you don't want that to come back on you. And the reason I say that is because then the next card that came out is um, the high priestess. And the high priestess, again, is another major arcana. So we're getting lots of like, is, is, there's a duality to it as well, like the masculine and the negative, um, and the masculine and the feminine energy at play in both regards, saying that, you know, everything has to be used in this situation. We're talking about all of you, every part of your psyche, like the rational, the emotional, whatever, everything, the logical, everything has to has to come into play at this point. She's holding the Torah, which is, um, I think, saying um, the laws of the laws of life or something, and we can't even see it. But the laws of life dictate that what you do unto others, do unto others what you'd like them do to do unto you, because 
what you do unto others will in some way come back to be what is done to you. Where it might not be today, it might not be tomorrow, it might not be next year, but it will come back to you in some form. That energy is going to come back to you in its purest form. So in all things, try to put out the energy that you're hoping the en- and that the universe will give back to you. She's here between um, the darkness and the light, working through every aspect of ourselves because we we do exist. We're not wholly perfect beings. We we have darkness and we have light in us. We have to be the ones to balance it out. And this is all that this is asking for you to do. Do not let darkness be what kind of encroaches upon your soul. And that is what you focus on. And really using your intuition in both cards, we've got the moon showing up. I'm sorry, in this, um, in the High Priestess cast, we've, we've got the moon showing up. And then in the Justice card, we've got the crown on the, um, on the head of the figure that we're focused on, the main f- subject of the card. There's a crown on their head. And in the middle of the crown is a green, uh, it's a green stone. So that's meant to kind of be their third eye. Again, intuition, Try to, trying to see things clearly, using your sword, as is in the hand of the justice card, using your sword to cut through any of the bullshit and see things as clearly as possible. And when you see things clearly, you can weigh it up well. You don't have to rush. And that's one thing I think that is great about Libras. You don't have to rush. People talk about Libras being indecisive, indecisive. But when they come to a decision, it's a firm decision and they feel like it's a fair decision. Therefore, they can live with it. So don't rush to make the decision. Weigh up every aspect of it. Ask all of the questions. Like the Inquirer card is um, encouraging us to ask all of the questions and ask it from a true place of wanting to know what the answer is, wanting to know what the energies at play are. That's what was going to serve you best. And so, yeah, so I looked up because um, I looked up the number 11, the master number 11, because although um, the high priestess is showing up as number two, to me, it looks like an 11. It's still, um, and I read them. um, the angel numbers for number two. And I just thought like instinctively, intuitively, it didn't feel like what we needed. Actually, it feels like number 11 is what we're being reminded of. So I'm going to bring up what it says about number 11. Angel number 11 is a message from the angels concerning your soul mission or greater life purpose. When the angels send you messages containing master number 11, they are sending you inspiration and encouragement to to develop your abilities in ways that will help all of the humanity. Angel number 11 symbolizes the principle of the principles of spiritual enlightenment and awakening and is a reminder from our angels that we have come to this physical world from the realm of the spirit. As spiritual beings, we have taken form in the material world to fulfill a particular purpose. Many of us have no idea what our greater purpose is. Knowing this, our guardian angels provide us with clues about our larger purpose that often come in the form of angel numbers. The number 11 is a master number, which means that it resonates at an extremely high vibration. If the number one is about leadership, optimism, positivity, and initiative, master number 11 multiplies these attributes to a higher power. Angel number 11 11 represents a transmutation of your personal power to a higher, more spiritual level. Master number 11 is associated with spiritual illumination and our inner teacher. Angel number 11 reveals that we have great powers of intuition, which make us highly empathetic. Um, 
Yes. Um, with intuition, we can connect to others and be a great service to them. This is the most spiritual thing that a person can do with their lives. Angel number 11 may appear in a variety of forms, including as a time, the number of messages you have in your inbox, an important date or in financial transactions. It may also refer to a Bible verse or the page number of an inspirational book. It is important to keep your eyes open to all of the possibilities because your guardian angels will use any means necessary to help you to fulfill your potential. Angel number 11 is a message from divine source concerning your purpose in this life. When you see this number occurring in your experience more and more, take it as a sign that you are reaching an auspicious time in your life where your soul's larger purpose is within reach. Seeing angel number 11 may also mean that you have a responsibility to use your skills, talents or leadership position to help others. Angel number 11 reveals a path that can be difficult for some to follow, a spiritual path that is both challenging and extremely fulfilling. When you see angel number 11 in your daily life, it is likely that your angels are revealing a path through which you will be able to turn your skills into a way to serve all of humanity. So inquirer, you know, we got the justice card, we got the high priestess and everything talking about this number 11, number 11, number 11, like banging out this number 11. Um, because the questions matter. What is the meaning of life? How would you know the meaning of life if you didn't ask the questions? There are many meanings to this life, but ultimately I think it's to just keep asking and to keep looking because there is no such thing as the truth. There is no such thing. That's what Khalil Gibran teaches us in The Prophet. There is no such thing as the truth. What you can say is that there are there is a truth. There are many truths because we exist in different realities constantly. And then sometimes we share realities. So as you're listening to this podcast, we're sharing a particular type of reality right now, but you're listening to it, not in a place that I recorded it, not having the day that I've had. So we're coming at things, we're coming at things with different experiences. And it's always best to remember that when you and my therapist was saying um, the other day, I always mention her, shout out to Emma, but, 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 but um, we were saying the other day, you know, I was talking about someone and I was saying just like, I just feel that they don't want great things for me because they're always doing this and they're always doing that. And, and she was just like, I see that, but look past actions, look past the actions and think of the child People can tell you that, oh, they've had great upbringings and they've had great childhoods, but actions say different things. And she says, when people do things, look at them and look for the child. Because if you can look for the child and interact with them, not to talk down to them, but interact with them with the compassion that you are speaking to a child and maybe a hurt child inside, then suddenly things have a potential to grow. Suddenly things have a chance to be better. And it was interesting to see things in that manner and from her perspective that realities are so different for all of us, depending on where we're working from within ourselves. So keep asking questions, keep asking questions because they're important. They're important because you need to ask these questions to know where you're headed. I feel like collectively, everybody that I interact with that listens to this podcast tells me about, oh, this major thing is about to happen in my life. I think collectively there's this energy of, of us moving to a higher level. I'm not talking about dickheads. I'm talking about us. Yeah. We're moving to this higher level and that requires a, a certain level of intuition and it requires to us to train it. 
So be ready to train that intuition so you can level up and do the things that you need to do. And notice that all the cards keep telling us that big things are coming. So it's about leveling up intuitively and empathetically to prepare for it. So that requires us to ask questions, asking ourselves questions. You know, you feel like, oh, this is just the way I am. Why are you that way? Why? Question your childhood. Question everything. Start questioning. Yeah, because you it's those things that will push us further. So that's pretty much it for that. Anyway, moving on to share your magnificence. My magnificent person this week um, for me, first of all, is um, Romelu Lukaku, um, the footballer, um, because he he wrote a piece for the Premier Tribune, I think it was. Let me just check. I think it was the Premier Tribune. The Players' Tribune or Tribune, whatever you want to call it. He says, "Um, I remember the exact moment I knew we were broke. I can still picture my mum at the refrigerator and the look on her face. I was six years old and I came home for lunch during our school break. My mum had the same thing on the menu every single day, bread and milk. When you're a kid, you don't think even think about it. But I guess that's what we could afford. Then this one day I came home and I walked into the kitchen and I saw my mum at the refrigerator with the box of milk like normal. But this time she was mixing something in with and uh, mixing something in with it. She was shaking it up, you know. I didn't understand what was going on. Then she brought my lunch over to me and she was smiling like everything was cool. But I realized right away what was going on. She was mixing water in with the milk. We didn't have enough money to make it last the whole week. We were broke, not just poor, but broke. My father had been a pro footballer, but he was at the end of his career and the money was all gone. The first thing to go was the cable TV. No more football, no more match of the day, no signal. Then I'd come home at night and the lights would would be shut off. No electricity for two or three weeks at a time. Then I'd want to take a bath and there would be no hot water. My mum would heat up the kettle on the stove and I'd stand in the shower splashing the warm water on top of my head with a cup. There were even times when my mum had to borrow bread from the bakery down the street. The bakers knew me and my little brother, so they'd let her take a loaf of bread on Monday and pay them back on Friday. I knew that um, I knew we were struggling, but when she was mixing in the water with the milk, I realised it was over. Do you know what I mean? This was our life. I didn't say a word. I didn't want to hurt her stress. I just ate my lunch. But I swear to God, I made a promise to myself that day. It was like somebody snapped their fingers and woke me up. I knew exactly what I had to do and what I was going to do. I couldn't see my mother living like that. Nah, nah, I couldn't have that. People in football love to talk about mental strength and mental strength. Well, I'm the strongest dude you're ever going to meet because I remember sitting in the dark with my brother and my mum saying our prayers and thinking, believing, knowing it's going to happen. I won't read you the rest because I'll put the link so you can read the rest of the um, read the rest of the article. But it was really beautiful for me to read a man, a black man, a black footballer talking about his life and how he got here. Because when you listen to the punditry, especially because the World Cup is on at the moment, I really hate the way that these white commentators talk about black players. And obviously we're going to talk about other white men that have said some bullshit about black football players shortly. But it just annoys me because it's like they 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 extrapolate 
the humanity from these black players like you only ever want to refer to them as like powerful powerful you never want to infer that they have any intelligence that they're approaching this sport with a craft and a skill and a and a, and a very very high level of understanding you want to make it out like it's just by chance that they happen to be good at this sport and that's some bullshit because white football players are referred to as intelligent black football players are just infer- referred to as powerful and apart from just the way that they're referenced, it's also the fact that black football players are put under so much scrutiny. Uh, scrutiny. Like we talked about the, what all the things that Raheem Sterling has been put on, um, you know, that he's been put through recently. And he, from what I read about the things that he said about what he's been put through, constantly second guessing himself, that's someone heading towards depression. Like, and that's because of the media, the British media and the way that he's just being treated. And Lukaku gets a similar treatment and you've got fans in the audience that will sing about his dick that they've never seen. Because again, it's about re- reducing a black man to merely physical attributes and um, hypersexualizing them and hyper masculinizing them. Anyway, that's the word. I've just, I've decided it's the word. Um, But, you know, doing all of these things to them and not allowing them for them to be whole entire ass human beings. And it was important for Lukaku to do to, you know, to speak on this and to talk about his life. So people actually understand that he came from somewhere and he had the determination to make something of himself. And so he did. did, it, It wasn't by chance. He realized what he needed to do and he did it. You know, I. I had a hard childhood and it was through my hard childhood that I said to myself, Kelechi, you're going to be one of the biggest stars this world has ever seen. That is what you are going to do. You're going to act your absolute socks off. You're going to act in a way that people haven't seen acting done before. You're going to hone your craft. And I promised myself that, like I I say it for banter, but I know I've always said to myself, I will get an Academy Award when I don't know, but I will, I'll get all of the awards and not even that the awards are going to be, um, that are, they're necessary to prove my worth, but I want them. So therefore I'm going to have them. And along the way, I'm going to create things that people might not necessarily think deserve awards, but they're going to be of my creation and I'm going to be proud of them. And my hard childhood allowed for me to see that, to see that clearly from a very young age. I'm talking about like the age of seven or six. I was just like, yeah, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be an actress. So I've never been one of those people to kind of not know my purpose. I've always known that my purpose was to, to serve people through my talents. And I've discovered other talents along the way, but that passion to serve, to do something I've always known, to, to, to make an impact on a global scale. I've always known that. And I guess that's what keeps me going when things just feel really, really shit. Um, so really reading what Lukaku had to say, like he also had that sort of epiphany when he was a child, when he saw the way that his mum was struggling and you know, the ways in which like parents want you to remain a child. So they don't even want you to know how bad things are that got me as well reading that piece and it's just it's it's just wonderful so big up lukaku two slaps on your chest i respect i respect what you're doing i respect the fact that you you went out there you and you manifested your own greatness you were like this is what i want and you set your intentions and you made sure that motherfucker happened so big up yourself for that um and then the next person is let me see here 
Oh, the next people actually, the cast of Leave Taking. So I went to go and see Leave Taking at the Bush Theatre on, I want to say Wednesday. Yeah, I saw it just last week, Wednesday. When you're listening to this, it'll be last week, Wednesday. I went to see it at the Bush Theatre. My God, that that play is fucking phenomenal. Incredible. Incredible. The entire thing was in Patois and it was just sublime. It was gorgeous. Um, There's a line in it where they say... um. Go to the doctors. Why would I go to the doctors? What does the doc what does the doctor know about a black woman's soul? And that shit broke me. Like I just thought this this is sometimes the dissonance that we we have within the I think whether it's the m- mental health industry or just um or the mental health field or just the medical field generally. It was constructed to serve white people, primarily white men, and so what do you know about a black woman's soul? What do you know about the cultural things that impact black people? You don't know and you don't really care to know. So these women are, are talking about their grief and the way that the grief sits so heavy on their chest. And the other ladies basically implying that, you know, hey, you might be depressed. You should go and see the doctor. And she said, what does the doctor know about a black woman's soul? And yeah, it just it just rang so true because it's pretty much hit and miss sometimes when you're looking for the support within, um, you know, these systems when you are going through things as a black woman, as a black person. Because where do you find it? Because everything has been catered and constructed to serve people who are not you. So you've got to take the little bits that you can get to help yourself. So um, a, a, um, an actress that I directed for a rehearsed reading, um, Serafina, she's... Um, also in leave taking and she did a brilliant job as the um as the daughter as one of the daughters she was everyone was so fantastic it's finishing next week or this week by the time you're listening to um by the time you're listening to this it's going to finish this week so if you can please rush and get yourself tickets and go and see it because you will not regret it the one thing so i was reacting i was sitting with my baby girl hodan and we were watching this play and we were just in our feelings about the intergenerational grief that mothers feel passing on to daughters and things like that um and it's interesting because the daughters all stayed but the son the sons you always hear of them just being away somewhere it'll make sense if you watch it and i loved obviously the stage direction um the the stage design um how they use water on the stage as well how their use of water and water being linked to intuition being linked to grief it was fantastic um there was a white woman that was sitting in front of us an american woman and so Hodan and I are making sounds because we're just feeling this play. We're feeling it with all of our bodies. You know, we're feeling it with all of our soul. And there's an and we had an interval. So we come back from the interval and we sit down and the woman turns to us and she goes, you know, I'm honestly, I'm watching this and I'm just, you know, I, like I'm listening to you both. Ooh and ah. And I, I just really want to, I want to feel it the way that you're feeling it, you know? But I guess it's like when you go to um, watch Shakespeare, where maybe some of the language, it takes a while to kind of settle into the language. So, um, or or it might not be. It's just how I feel when I go to see Shakespeare. It takes a while to kind of settle into the language. So, um, yeah, I was just, yeah. And I 
just looked at her because why would you ever fucking assume that I don't understand Shakespeare? Bitch, my fucking degree was in Jacobian theatre. Who the fuck are you talking to? Like, why is there this? Why, why did you assume? Because if I break you in half now, you're going to cry. But why did you assume that I wouldn't? My dissertation was written on how blackness is portrayed in Shakespearean theatre. Yet you, without knowing me and knowing what I am about, turn to me and go, oh, the way that I'm feeling about all of the patois that's being spoken in this play must be the way that you feel when you go to see Shakespeare. You know what? Sucketh thy mother, you dickhead. I know that that's weight. That came, that was a premature suck your mum. But yeah, it's just what I remembered from the play. And I just tried to be as nice as possible because I just wanted to get through the rest of the play without a white woman crying. So I just said what I needed to say to her, very vague, and then just kept it moving to watch the rest of the play. But I really wish that people who want to chat shit wouldn't talk to me, but whatever. Anyway, this is what it says on the Bush Theatre website about um, leave-taking. It's written um, also by Winston Pinnock, I want to say. If I got that right. Anyway, what doctor and um, what doctor know about illness? Just give you pills to sick your stomach and a doctor's certificate. What they know about a black woman's soul. That's the blurb that they've put. In Deptford, Dell and Viv are soul sick. Dell want um doesn't want to be at home. Staying out late, 3 p.m. to the next day late is more her thing. Viv scours her um, scowls her school books trying to find a trace of herself between their lines when Enid takes her daughters to go and see the local Obia woman for some traditional Caribbean and Caribbean soul healing secrets are spilled there's no turning back for Del Viv and Enid as they negotiate the frictions between their countries and cultures two generations three incredible women leave taking is one epic story that of what we leave behind in order to find home um, and the cast is Ajoa Ando She was incredible as the Obia woman Nicole Cherie, uh, Will Johnson Serafina Bay And Sarah Niles Sarah Niles plays the mother And she is phenomenal My god My god She's amazing So if you can Go and check out the play Because it's it's truly magnificent Like truly magnificent Anyway Moving on to your letters About magnificent people I've got one from Let me just get this up uh, let me go to my first one Which is sent by From um, Kim Kim says Hello Kelechi My name is Kim And I'm a new listener To your podcast I would like to nominate A wonderful artist Named Harmonia Rosales For your Share Your Magnificence Big Up She's an Afro-Cuban American painter And her work is awesome Her latest collection Is entitled B-I-T-C-H And it stands for Black Imagery To Counter Hegemony she reimagines classical European paintings by replacing the people in them with black and brown people. It's wonderful. Her website is harmoniarosales.com and her Insta is honey, spelt as H-O-N-E-I-E-E. -E -E. Um, please look at her work. I hope you will be blessed. Um, I hope you will be pleased. Thank you for taking the time to read this letter. And I thank you and your team for doing the work that needs to be done. A forever fan, Kim. Thank you, Kim, baby. I did go to go and look at Harmonia Rosales' work and I don't know why I hadn't seen the fucking things before because they are incredible. They are incredible. If you want to get your life right now, get your phone out and go on her Instagram page. H-O-N-E-I-E-E, -E -E, honey, spelt like that. Go and look at the paintings. They are, the pictures of the paintings are fucking phenomenal. Like bad 
bad So I agree with you Kim So two slaps on your chest And two slaps for Harmonia's chest Because that was tr- I Thank you for sending me that Because I love to see beauty in the world I love beautiful things And her work is absolutely beautiful So thank you Kim Kim Passable Um so yeah, so next I've got Layla. Layla sent in. Layla's a baby girl. She's a pole dancer, absolutely fantastic pole dancer, and comes to the studio um to my classes. And oh, I just love her. Anyway, Layla says, Hi Kalechi. I've been meaning to write one of these magnificent emails for the longest time now, but I've just finally finished uni and I feel that this is the perfect time. I have to thank one of my best friends, Alma, for introducing me to your social media last year and firmly telling me that I needed to follow you on all social media platforms and also attend your poll classes. I instantly did and it was one of the best recommendations I have ever received. I was hooked from the get-go and when you started making podcasts, our lives became more enriched. The first tarot readings and the advice that followed spoke directly to the situation I was in at the beginning of this year. Every week you guided me through the issues that arose and helped me to solidify my boundaries. Thank you. Also, thank you for being as attentive and compassionate as you are. You are the highlight of mine and Bay's um, work Monday, Monday every week. Your studio is hands down the most gorgeous and immaculate I have ever entered. And it shows that a lot of tender love and care goes into maintaining Kolechnikov studio. Thank you for that also. Just a general thank you for the numerous forms of joy you provide by being Kolechnikov for and the creative pole combinations you pull out every week and um, week after week. I drove all the way from Brighton to attend my first pole class with you. And before the class, one of your students told me you were worth it. And she was so right. Oh, I want to know which student that is. Oh, um, anyway, one magnificence I want to share with you this week is Twin Dance Company. That's Twin with two eyes. If you're looking it up at Twin Dance Company on Instagram, they are a dance company owned and run by four black siblings, two of whom are also twins. And the amount of talent that, that they cultivate is insane. I see them week after week on Instagram Snatching trophies all around the country And every routine and costume bangs I spoke to them this week about sharing their magnificence And they told me what they were about They train during the week in a range of styles From street to commercial dance And have an agency and competition teams Um, Twin Dance Company goes above and beyond To make sure their students excel in all areas of life They work alongside families to help cultivate qualities such as accountability, insight, self-esteem and respect in their pupils. They care so deeply about their pupils that they have created a supportive family network within their company that encourages not only the children in their own um, in their own passions, but also encourages them. Um, to encourage one another and to feel safe and supported The children all look as if they are in their element In all of the posts on social media And all of their performances look so clean and well put together So you can see that a lot of love goes into every creation And you never get to see the actual people behind all of this Because their focus is so wholeheartedly on the children They aim to teach their pupils That there is more than just one narrative for them within the arts And it's, it is so deeply inspiring to watch 
I encourage everyone to have a look at what they're about and add some flames to your Insta feed. The other magnificence I feel I just have to share is my friend Rebecca Williams' Instagram, Bex Photosphere. Um, I'll put that in the captions and also Becca underscore button. Um, she listens to your podcast every week and we often discuss the way it makes us feel. Last week, we discussed what you said about being a black woman in a relationship with a white person and how this does not decrease your blackness. And those who question it need to suck their mums as we are both black women in relationships with white people it really spoke to us Rebecca is a photographer who produces stunning work that exclusively focuses on people of color her most recent project on for her degree show is on black women reclaiming their bodies because black women's bodies have never really been seen as belonging to black women her art features a lot of black women just being the amazingness that they are and it is so well done and so beautiful that I felt I couldn't write a magnificence email without mentioning her. I don't think she has shared many of her degree pieces online yet because her show is in full swing, but please check her out. It is so worth it. Kalechi, you are very worthy and very valued despite what those Twitter dung beetles <laughs> are saying. You have enhanced my life and I'm so grateful for your existence. Eternal slaps on your chest. Thank you, Layla. Thank you, Layla, love. Thank you, Layla. No, that's absolutely... You're, you're, you write so well. Gosh, I love it. Like, it's so easy to read your emails. That's no shade to anybody else. But um, it's so easy to read your emails. And I love talking to you. And big up Rebecca Williams and um, big up Twin Dance Company. Like, it matters. All of these things matter. We're, we're, we're putting work out there. We're doing the things that need to be done. And it's so, so important. It's the work that matters, you know? It's the impact that matters. That's what we should all be focusing on and enriching the lives of the younger generation. So I'm working currently on a project that I hope will, you know, I'll be able to talk about soon. I'm, I'm just putting it together, but I plan to bring pole dance to the younger community, you know, like young children, because I know that at some stage pole dance will become an Olympic sport. And I want to make sure that I'm out there serving black realness and, and giving you them black superstars. That's what I aim to do amongst all the other things that I aim to do, by the way. But I feel like if I can give this a strong foundation, it will take off and can be supported by the brilliant teachers that I'm curating. But it's all in the, you know, I'm, it's something I'm working on. It's just a little baby seed in my head at the moment. Um, and I've been contacting various people. But if I can pull this off, it's going to, it's going to be major. So just pray for me to make that happen. So, but thank you, Layla. I appreciate you so, so much. I appreciate that this podcast, even when I go off, off, go off on wild tangents and everything else that somehow people still tune in weekly, lots of people tune in weekly to listen. And I'm just like, rah, are you sure? Like, this is what you guys want to do with your Monday. But I appreciate it, whether it's Monday, Tuesday, whenever it is. I just appreciate that you see me and you hear me and it means the world to me. Um, now let's move on to So You Mad. Obviously, the title of this podcast is Sugar Rush because Sugar, Alan Sucrose, Alan Shuku Shuku Bam Bam really, really ran. He rushed into my mentions to come and tell me how what he said was not racist and he did not realize that I was not the one that he should be doing that nonsense with. 
So You Mad is exclusively dedicated to Alan Sugar. We're not calling him Lord Sugar because I only serve one Lord. And also the Lord, whatever system that they have in this country, is only holding on to a nostalgia of their oppression, colonization and enslavement of people um, that they deemed as other. So I will not be calling him Lord anything. He's Lord Pussyclaw. He's That's what he is. He's Lord Dickhead. He's Lord Prick. How about that? Um, I just think it's funny how in case you don't know what Alan Sugar's done, if you're listening to this across the pond and everywhere else, Alan Sugar is kind of like, um, he's the guy that does the British Apprentice. So, you know, you had Donald, Donald Trump for the American Apprentice. We've got Alan Sugar for the British Apprentice. And he always tells us how he was a working class poor man and he worked his way up to now have all of the money and all of the companies that he now has. And he's also the chairman of one football club that I don't give a shit about. Um, so yeah, he does all of these things anyway. And um, Senegal played Poland last week and Senegal won 2-1. One of their goals was kindly handed over by Poland. Thank you, own goal. <laughs> anyway, um, so all of that is happening. Alan Sugar puts up a tweet. Um, he puts up a tweet of the Senegalese football team, and he um, someone's photoshopped bags and sunglasses by their feet, and he said, "I recognise these chaps from the beaches in Marbella selling things. Such resourceful chaps, or whatever. Such resourceful chaps. However, he phrased it. And I just thought, wow, that you know, you know when you know when the racism is so racist that you're just like." Raw, you wow that you did that with all of your chest like you didn't even try to cover it up like you went all of the way damn i uh, i was speechless to begin with i noticed that on the richter scale of racist it was scoring pretty high because white people were the ones that I saw initially tweeting at him that what he'd posted was racist. Do you know how fucking racist something needs to be for white people, for everyday white British people to call it racist, to actually use the term racist? Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. My mind was blown. My mind was blown because I was just like, usually these are the people that are just like, oh, I think you're being a bit sensitive. I'm overly sensitive. I don't see what was racist. But for the fact that Kathy and Gary were the ones that were telling you, Susie and Trevor were the ones telling you that this is racist. I said, wow, this is really something. Like you really, really went there. And so I tweeted and I said that there are a number of things that are highly problematic about what he did for the fact that you're inferring that we can only have a singular narrative as black people to be subservient and to be selling things and and again that all black people look alike and also showing us that white supremacy um white supremacist patriarchy definitely definitely exists although we know that already but you're showing it to us because you feel like uh, uh, regardless of the achievements that these men have um attained um you can you can dictate the singular narrative about them that you can dictate whether it's an achievement or it's not and you can use your power to overshadow it you can dictate how they are received that is part of the racism that is part of the institutional racism the systemic racism like that is part of it what you are doing 
Yeah. So I had to tweet him all of these things and I was, I was disgusted. And what gets me vexed is that People were jumping into my mentions Like one guy even um, tweeted at me and said Shut up you bitch, you look like Big Shaq And I thought, okay I mean, Big Shaq's not even ugly Like, Michael Dapper's not ugly So you're not going to offend me But you're okay You you know, it's, it's the oldest trick in the book To say a black woman with short hair looks like a man Like, you're not going to offend me Instead of you to go and find your mum's vagina And push your entire head back inside Try to crawl back up your mum's pussy That's what you should really be doing But whatever Um so they were tweeting me all of these things And I said to Alan Sugar Like you can send all your paper tweet tro- trolls To come into my mentions I said what I said Anyway, this motherfucker decides to retweet me and he um, Or quote tweet me And he says, if it was so bad Why did you retweet it? Bitch Why did you tweet it? You're, you, you can't shift the blame And be like, oh well, if it's so bad Why is everyone retweeting it? We're retweeting it To further highlight your bigotry that's why we're retweeting it and he was adamant that he hadn't done anything wrong he took the tweet down this you know the picture down he took the tweet down and even when he was taking it down he said well i still don't see what was wrong with it you're all being ott but i've removed it anyway but if you were so sure that there was nothing wrong with it if you were so badder than bad and bigger than big why didn't you leave it up you and your candy floss hair why didn't you leave it up you and your double chin look at you why didn't you leave it up there's nothing wrong with double chins by the way i just don't like his particular double chin it annoys me um why didn't you leave it up why why were you why were you doing so much why? Because if I feel like I haven't done anything wrong I'm going to leave the thing up But oh, because a few people And also he said Oh, a few people found it offensive So I've taken it down If it was truly a few people You would not have taken it down Because you don't care for a few people A lot of people must have been telling you Which I saw for myself They were telling you to take it down And I had to like tweet at him And be like, fam, I don't know What kind of Weetabix you ate this morning That let you think that you could have the energy To talk mad to me A whole Kalechioka for A whole 173 centimetres of me Like who the fuck do you think you're speaking to? Like I had to let him know the levels Because I'm not the one that you play with Don't Don't Alan Sucrose Alan Lucasade Don't try them things there Don't And It just bothers me how Basically he's getting away with it You know Like he's allowed to do these things White men are allowed to do these things And we laugh it off But when Reggie Yates made the comment Misjudge comments that he made Oh, he had to lose top of the pops. He had to he had to lose endorsements. He had to lose things. But nobody's taking anything away from Alan Sugar. And that is a problem because obviously it shows that the rules aren't the same for all of us. They're clearly not. The power dynamics are not balanced for all of us. So that is another story in itself. And so then for Piers Morgan to now jump up. So I've obviously missed out a bit If you haven't read my Metro article Or my Metro opinion piece Not article because I'm not a journalist My Metro um, opinion piece that I wrote Please read it It was an open letter to Alan Sugar Where I basically told him in the most polite way possible That he's a dickhead and he needs to suck his mum But I wrote it all nice and friendly Because that's what you're meant to do When you write things for newspapers apparently But it was nice to have written it And I appreciate that Danielle Dash was actually the one That recommended that I write it She was contacted to write it And she said no, no actually I think that Kelechi would be better suited So the editor then contacted me And I wrote the piece And big up Danielle Dash She should also have been part of my Share Your Magnificence Because I really appreciate that Um, 
So I wrote the piece and it got, you know, a lot of attention. And I was asked to come on this morning and um, Good Morning Britain to come and talk and debate about the whole thing. And I'm not debating about a motherfucking thing. I am not debating about a damn thing because why? Repeat with me. You know what I'm about to say. I'm not debating a thing because why? I said what I motherfucking said. Yeah. If you want to know how I feel about it, go and read my tweets. If you want to know how I feel about it, go and read the Metro piece. I do not need to come and debate anything with any motherfucker. So I politely declined every invitation because I'm not doing that nonsense. Especially if you expect me to now go and sit with Piers Morgan and talk about anything because you're going to have to go to commercials very quickly when I launch at him because we're going to need to fight. We are going to need to fight. And I don't want to do that. I am aware of people that are going to aggravate me and I stay well away from them because I'm trying to grow as as a human. Like I say to I say to you guys all of the time, I am a dickhead in recovery. Sometimes I relapse. Sometimes I relapse and I and I don't want to relapse. So that's why I stay away from situations that could trigger me. I don't want to I don't want for anybody really to see the kalechi that I'm capable of being. I don't. So this is recovering me. This is me taking every day as it comes, just breathing in and breathing out. That's all I want for my life. And I feel like there is more power in saying no than saying yes. I don't need to be everywhere that you ask me to be because also I've got to think about my career in the long term. My focus is on being an actor and a director and, you know, speaking my truth whenever that's, you know, whenever it should arise. I don't want to be a talking head on TV, arguing with people, arguing with coons, talking about bullshit. I don't want to do that. So I'm not doing it. So yeah, I declined. And then this morning I saw that Piers Morgan decided to weigh in on the whole thing. And he was like, oh, Alan Sugar is a half wit, but he's not racist. Oh, Wow, look at that. A racist is coming to tell us that his mate is not racist. Wow, wonders shall never cease. If anything, I guess, yeah, a racist should know another racist. But because the racist himself doesn't know that he is racist, he's therefore incapable of seeing that the other person is a racist. They just think it's banter. And that's the problem. And also how people view racism. People think that the people are more offended about being called racist than actually looking at their actions their racist actions. That's that's part of the problem. People think that racist is a bad word. So he'd rather say, oh, um, um, Alan, Sugar is, um, Alan Sugar is a halfwit, but he's not racist. What do you mean? Because he did a racist thing. And if you do a racist thing, then you are a racist person. Can you not see how that works? And you can be a halfwit and be racist. You can be a nice person and be racist because why? Racism is about power dynamics and how you use it to to infer meanings and 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 impacts on other people's lives. That's that's where all of these things are coming in. You can be not, oh, Kathy's so nice. I don't understand why anyone would call her racist because Kathy is a racist. Yeah, yeah. Susan, no, I, I saw Susan one time. I swear I saw Susan. She had a little black child near her at the bus stop and she smiled. I swear I saw her. I saw Susan. She smiled like Susie. Susie would smile at anybody, honestly. Okay, well, Susan can smile at a black child and be smiling because she's like, oh, look at you, poverty stricken baby. And that child is rich as fuck because she's using what she deems to be 
blackness, which is poorness and poverty and all of this stuff, she's inferring that narrative onto the child without knowing the child. Yeah. And it's, it's little things like that, that are actually big things. So I just really wish that Piers Morgan would shut his mouth on things that do not concern him. But I feel like ultimately he's weighing in on these sort of situations because he uses black people and black rage as clickbait. That's how he remains relevant by aggravating black people. And that's why ultimately I blocked him ages ago because I don't want to contribute to helping him get his money because we're helping him get his money every time we interact with him. That's why I don't like um, the guy that used to be on Top Gear. I hate him with all of my heart. I hate Piers Morgan. I hate Alan Sugar. All of these white men that people are supporting by watching their content knowing that they're very, very racist, very, very racist people, they will never learn because people keep supporting their content by viewing it. So I won't support whatever Piers Morgan does. I don't watch The Apprentice um, anymore. And um, I feel like Piers, uh, Alan Sugar should lose The Apprentice, if I'm really honest. And I, well, Top Gear have changed cast. Fine, cool. But I still won't watch anything that has the other stupid motherfucker in it. So it's about not giving them the platform. It's about not helping them with their money because also helping them with their money is allowing for them to be untouchable and to continue doing the things that they're doing. And again, that is part of the structure of racism. So no, if I hadn't said it clearly clearly enough on Twitter or in the Metro piece, I need for Alan Sugar to suck his mum, even though that is not my straw of the week. I just need for him, Piers Morgan and all the other man them to suck their mums because nothing is happening that would be in any way um, deemed as disciplinary for Alan Sugar. And I think that that sucks. Um, moving on then to straw of the week. My straw of the week goes to um, the British Museum. Yes. My straw of the week goes to the British Museum because they're pussyclarts of the highest order. They're absolute dickheads. And I can't stand that. I can't stand that museums are even allowed to do this. They're allowed to display all the things that they've stolen from other countries that they either colonized or just went and ransacked. And it's seen as cultural. Oh, I'm going to the museum. Oh, well, it's not cultural. I'm saying cultural. <laughs> no, no, it's not. You just stole shit. Imagine, you know what? I should go around stealing shit and this displaying it in my flat. And then all of you man can come through and be like, oh my God, wow, wow, collection, wow, look, look at what she's taken here. It looks like she's taken moisturizer that Kathy's never opened. I feel so bad. If you're called Kathy, I'm so sorry. I just feel like I've been rinsing Kathy this episode. But it's it's like my favorite passive aggressively racist woman name um but i'm gonna there are so many others though so i'm gonna i feel like linda is one as well whenever i've been pissed off it's always by linda as well but that's for another day you can all send me comments about what your favorite um passive aggressive racist person name is um but yeah, the British Museum, because they have um, the statues from Benin, the bronze statues of Benin um, from the Benin Kingdom um, displayed at the British Museum. And they don't want to give it back. They say that they will loan it back to Nigeria. You can't loan me what is rightfully mine, you stupid motherfuckers. You can't loan me what actually belongs to me. And, and it, it, it just goes to speak of the imperialist arrogance that you would think that you can hold on to something that belongs to me and tell me that, oh, ha, ha, you want this back? Oh, well, I'll loan it to you. You can't have it back permanently. But bitch, it belongs to me. And so the spokesperson, I think her name was Hannah Bolton. The spokesperson um, for the British Museum said... 
it is absolutely untrue that the artifacts that we have at the museum were acquired through um, looting and plundering or whatever phrase you want to use. Um, there were rather bizarre circumstances that brought some of them to us. And would they actually um, have remained in this state had we not taken um, um, possession of it? What? Huh? First of all, bitch, I would like to talk about the following. It is absolutely untrue that we acquired these artifacts from looting or plundering or whatever phrase you want to use. Are you fucking mad? Is your entire fucking family mad? You dickhead, Hannah Bolton and the British Museum. Are you all sick in your, are you all sick in your assholes? Because I feel like when you're sick in your asshole, it really affects the rest of your body in a way that you, if you were sick from anywhere else, it wouldn't affect it the same way. You have to be sick in your entire asshole to be saying, you have to be sick in your anus. Yeah, in your anus to be saying that kind of bullshit. Whatever phrase you want to use, are you fucking mad? This isn't a case of semantics, you dickhead. It's not a case of potato, potato, tomato, tomato. No, looting and plundering, rape and pillage is how you did acquire those things. We're not just choosing words that we can use. You stole the things. You stole all of the things. It was a punitive expedition, as it was described by the British army, to go to um, Benin and deal with them because um i don't know if you've heard of the benin massacre but basically it was when the oba of benin was just was um tipped off that the british were coming um to come and you know try it and only two of the british soldiers managed to leave to tell any of the stories like he killed all of those motherfuckers and why because you you don't understand that I don't want you here And they tried to justify it by being like Oh but the Benin kingdom has so many slaves That they trade with the Arabs And when we were walking through the forest We saw bodies of the black You know the, the people hanging from the trees And you know they're just so savage We need to go and stop their savagery What is your own? I do not condone slavery. I do not condone the selling and buying of humans. But what is your own? Because now that we know how the Brits like to skew the truth in order to serve their own purposes, I am not saying that it wasn't true that these um, this slave trade was happening, but that they would skew the truth in order to justify what they truly wanted, which was the resources from the land of Benin. That's what they wanted. They wanted the palm oil. They wanted the rubber. So they would tell any lie to get it. And because the um, opera of Benin was less like I don't have to do any of this They were trying to draw up treaties with the man them Like come on Come on Like let us just come in To come and get a few things So they wanted like um they wanted a trade deal And we've also already seen that Britain is terrible at trade deals Look how they're struggling with Brexit Yeah So it's obviously intergenerational It's in their blood So you 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 couldn't trade from early You didn't you didn't know how to construct trade deals from early You didn't ever know how to do it And Benin managed to remain a kingdom of its own You did You were struggling to, to, to overpower it So what will you now do? Oh, let's come up with trade deals He was just like, well, I don't see why I need to honour this I don't want to do anything with you I don't want you to have anything here so they took more man more guns went back on their punitive expedition killed loads of the Benin people and then took things and there are pictures of them posing posing in front of 
ivory and just all of the things that they've helped them to mainly the bronze statues all of the things that they've helped themselves to they were posing with it like all of the things that they'd stolen from all across the continent of Africa just really proud of themselves but specifically what they'd taken from Benin were those bronze start, um, statues and the artifacts from there and it's just funny to me that you people talk about the savagery and the unintelligence of the African people but you're holding on to artifacts that prove different that prove that you are fucking liars and yet you don't want to give the artifacts back why because you know that if you were to give the artifacts back the psyche of those that you have colonized and you have and stolen and raped and and done so many atrocities to their psyche will start to shift because they'll be like man look at the intricate things that we have created centuries ago we were ahead of you man or we created all of these things centuries ago we are great beings we are great people we can achieve great things you don't want them to have that so you want to keep their things away from them. I don't know personally why people are being so polite, because if it were me personally, I would rock up into that museum. If I were Nigeria or the Nigerian government, I'll rock up into that museum and I'll take my shit back. I'll just, you'll just see me coming with keys and open. Killmonger had the right idea. I keep saying this. I don't agree with all of the things that Killmonger did, but that museum scene was everything to me because it just goes to show like you take things, you don't even know the true significance of them, but you just took them and you're displaying them almost as if, look, at our spoils of war look at all the things that we managed to acquire from being great britain great britain great pussy clots is what you should call yourself that's what you should change your name to so that's basically my straw of the week going to the british museum they can use they can carve out a straw from all the bronze that they've stolen from the benin kingdom and then insert it into their mother of this country and suck her dry how about that that's how i feel about this whole fucking mess so the end is here my friends off i go off i go to go and do um the extra content for my patrons on patreon if you want to join us on patreon it's patreon.com forward slash and um, forward slash kalechi okafor um today i'll be talking about jonathan's letter jonathan g is my baby boy and he's written to me about kim kardashian like she's really stressing him out um so he's written to me about Kim Kardashian and the way in which we keep seeing Kim Kardashian recently really trying to fast up herself into politics. And it's just like, fam, you don't know what you're talking about. Go and sit down. Um, and she's just doing things that just let me know that something is coming and I don't feel comfortable about it. I don't feel comfortable with it. And we'll also look at the um, card that was at the bottom of the deck because it's always significant. And that card is the Hermit card, which is actually a Virgo, represents the Virgo. We'll look at the Hermit card um, in the extra content as well. So we'll often go and talk about the succubus that is um, Kim Kardashian and the ways in which she's trying to um, find legitimacy for herself in the black community by feeling like she's doing black things when she actually doesn't have a fucking clue what she's on about. Um, we'll be doing that and we'll be looking at the hermit card so thank you so much for listening i have been kalechi okafor and this has been sym officially known as say your mind unofficially known as what what that's right suck your mom hey that's right suck your mom boy um yeah so that's it follow me on at say your mind pod or at kalechnikov and um I will add the links for all of the people that I've discussed today if you want to check them out in the magnificent section and all of them things there. Thank you so, so much for listening and I will catch you next week. Peace. 
It's the Benz Brunani woman is Baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this so Sit down, sit down, receive this realness Make sure your cup's ready for the tea we are go sipping yo Hard time scrolling for your long trots You might learn something you never know Could let you find, and she's one of a kind Don't say you mind, say you mind